thank you, Rona, for your warm welcome. Uh, it is true, I am ethnically Mennonite. Have you guys ever heard of Mennonites before? In like some, how many people have heard of Mennonites? Okay, we got, we got a few. Uh, contrary to popular opinion, a widespread opinion, Mennonites are not Amish people. You all know what Amish people are, right? You have like a picture in your head of Amish. Like in the States, they're like, they wear a lot of black. They ride around a horse and buggy. Lots in Pennsylvania, uh, different places in the States. Mennonites are often associated with them, but we're not really. We're a lot more, you know, modern. And, you know, we live in uh, cities and not just on farms. I'm actually from uh, a farm, a rural area in Canada. But... Uh, yeah, I, I can answer more questions you may have about being Mennonite afterwards if you want. Uh, usually I get like at least a couple people coming up to me after like, what, what is a Mennonite? Can you please explain? And they're actually genuinely interested. Like, what, what is that? It sounds so, you know, <laughs> so different, so interesting. But yeah, it's my honor to be here. I always love coming to speak at Emmaus. I've spoken at, at Yonsei Emmaus uh, a number of times and... This is my first time being here. It's the second, second large group here, right? This is so exciting for us. We've been praying into this for a long time. Uh, we, we're really excited about what God is doing at Seoul National. Uh, all the incredible stories, testimonies that have already gone out from this place. It's so, so clear that God is interested in this campus. Do you believe it? Like it's so clear from, I don't know if Rona has like shared these stories about like the background of even how this happened. Uh, but if you knew the stories, you, it, it would be just really clear. God is really interested in what's going on here and what's going on in the campus. And that should fill you with some measure of excitement. I know it fills me with excitement. Uh, tonight, I'm going to start out talking about some crazy things that college students do. I was, I was asking Rona beforehand. I just kind of have to ask, like, do I, college students in general do really crazy things. Like, you know... They uh, get in some trouble, you know, they, you know, like dare type things, like, uh, like parties, all, like everything that goes along with that. And I was asking Rona, like, does that even happen at, at Soul Day? Like, I mean, everything is so, like, it's very academically driven, right? Like, you guys want to get good grades. You're here because you got good grades before. It's a top-ranked school. Uh, do you guys, like, do you do crazy things in dorm? You, you might be like, you know, you can be hesitant to admit it. It's okay. Uh, but like if you don't do it, Rona was saying that inside of you, there's probably something that's there that wants to do like crazy, like ridiculous, like foolish things. Like there's probably a lot of foolishness that goes on, right? If, if you don't, do you see foolishness? Like it's not you. You don't do it, but you see it around you. Anyone? No, like, like crazy parties. Okay. Okay, I'm a little bit nervous now, but what I'm going to share. <laughs> but I, just, I keep going. I'm just, just going to keep going. I'll see, see how it flies. Because uh, in my college, I went to a college. It was like a college. It was a small town in Canada, like a college town. Like the college was basically the only thing that was in the town. And, uh, and so the college students, the students in dorm there and on campus, did like crazy, kind of stupid, foolish things. And, and a lot of that, for whatever reason, especially for the guys, I, I don't even know about the girls, but for the guys, a lot of it's centered around, like, nudity. Like, you do, like, like dares, like, where, where guys would, like, they, they would do stupid things. Like, they take off their clothes and they do stupid things, okay? 
I, I bet that doesn't that never crossed your minds like you guys are here. I bet it never happens here. I hope it doesn't. I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep going. Can I go? I'm gonna go. Okay. Like, like guys would dare each other to to like in the middle of the night to to run out of the dorm and and the post office in the town was like I don't know like 200 yards away. And, and so guys would dare each other, I dare you, in the middle of the night, run to the post office and back naked. Oh and guys would do that. Like, they, they, they do it for dares. They do it for, like, to get whatever, like, whether it was money or, you know, whatever else it might be. And, and there, there would be other things, too. Like, like, guys would try to sneak into one of the administrative buildings and, like, after lockup and... And just do stupid things in there naked, you know? And <laughs> I, it was just something about the school. I, I don't know. I'm just like college students, crazy things. It wasn't me. I promise you. It wasn't me. I'll tell you, okay, one more. This is the craziest. This is really dumb. I thought at the time it was dumb. Now looking back on it, I think, what, what were people thinking? Like it was really dumb. Okay, I, was, I played college hockey. Small school. It wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. But I played college hockey. <laughs> And uh, ice hockey, for those of you who might be confused by that. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, the, some of the guys on the team, on the college team, they got access to our, our arena, our hockey arena, at night and got in there. And decided they would put on their equipment, their, well, not their, their equipment, their skates, and they would go for a skate naked. <laughs> and they would play hockey like this, this is like, and, and you like, you know how dangerous that is. Like, can you can you imagine what? I mean, I, never, never mind it being cold. It's it's like, it's dangerous. Like, why would you ever think of doing something like that? So I, I'm just being really, you know, vulnerable with you guys in my in my college experience. You know, I'm just, I've never used these sermon illustrations before, ever. First time, right here. Uh, but one thing that guys discovered is that you could move or run faster if you did not have your clothes on. Does that make sense? Like aerodynamically, like if, if you like take, take your shirt off or something, you can run faster than you might otherwise. That's why you have like sprinters. They wear spandex clothes, right? You don't see a sprinter in the Olympics wearing baggy clothes, because that doesn't make any sense. It's only going to slow him down from running. You see, like, speed skaters, like, Korea is really big into short track speed skating, right? Those of you who seen, they're really, really good at it. Uh, they're all wearing spandex uniforms. If they were to wear, like, a winter parka, you know, and try to, like, and, and big, like, ski pants or whatever, snowboarding pants, whatever you might have, like, if they try to do that, they'd be really slow on the ice, right? If you want to go fast... If you want to be free to go fast, you're going to make yourself as aerodynamic as possible. In our day and age, that means wearing spandex. But thousands of years ago, spandex was not invented. And so what that meant thousands of years ago is that people ran naked. It's true. And interestingly enough, the Bible talks about this. Do you believe that? You probably never saw it in the Bible before. But I'm going to show you where it is. Are you guys wondering, like, where, where is that in the Bible? Turn in your Bible to Hebrews 12. 
It's near the end of the Bible, just before James. Hebrews 12. I'm going to read in the ESV version, but follow along whatever version you have in front of you. Verse 1 and 2 say, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Amen. Okay, verse 1, where it says, Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. The author of Hebrews, no one knows for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some people say it was the Apostle Paul. Some people say it was Apollos. Most people say it's not conclusive. We don't really know. Uh, but whoever it was, the picture they're painting for the early church is, is one of Greek athletic games. Okay, in that context, now you have to remember the Bible was written in a context. It wasn't written yesterday in Korea or in America or anywhere else. It was written thousands of years ago by a bunch of different people in the New Testament, largely in the Greek context. And so they're writing to paint images that people will understand in that day and age. So we need to understand what were they, what were they thinking about? Like when the author writes this, what was in his mind? The author is talking about an athletic event, and the athletic events that happened in that culture, in that context, were, were Greek ones, where men would run naked. Women were not allowed to go to these events, as far as I know. That's my understanding. It was just, uh, I'm sorry women, that's the way it was at that time. I, you know, that's the way it was. It wasn't right, but that's how it was. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, athletic events would be held where men would strip down and because, again, they did not have spandex in that day and age, they would do whatever they could to get whatever advantages they could to run fast. Men would have worn loose clothing, generally in that time, right? Uh, if you've seen any, you know, Jesus movies, you know, Jesus is always, Jesus isn't wearing, like, slim fit jeans. Like, <laughs> Jesus is wearing, like, a robe of some kind with, like, maybe a sash, you know, uh, flowing hair. That's kind of the picture that people have. Uh, and so I mean, clothes were basically loose in that time. And so to run and to run effectively, you would take your clothes off. Make yourself as aerodynamic as possible. And so the author of Hebrews is trying to communicate this to the church. He's saying, in the Christian life, if you are a Christian, you, whether you realize it or not, entered a race. And in that race, you're going to run best if you lay aside everything that hinders you. If you take off every piece of clothing that would slow you down. And he invites them and exhorts them here in Hebrews 12 to do that. And that, that's still the same for, for everyone today. That if you are a Christian, whether you wanted to or not or intended to or not, you enter into a race. Call it the race of life. Call it, call it what you want. It's the Christian life. But in that race, you've got Christians who are running in a lot of different ways. You've got 
You've got Christians who are who are running really well. They've laid aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles, and they're they're really running at a steady pace. They're going at it. And then you've got Christians who who are like they uh, they were saved, but they're weighed down by so much stuff that they're moving really slowly. A lot of those believers, they like they just walk around. They're like it's you know the goal line's way over there. But they're just kind of leisurely walking around because they've got so much weight on them. They can't move very fast. A lot of, a lot of people, a lot of Christians don't really, really want to move that fast because they just, oh, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll, get there, I'll get there someday, but, you know, I'm just here now. And then you've got people, and maybe this has been you or maybe you know someone who's experienced this before. You've got all sorts of weights and burdens on you, but you want to run fast. And you're trying to run fast. And that, more than anywhere else, I believe is where burnout happens in the church. If you know people who get burnt out in the church, they're like, they've got all sorts of weights and hindrances, things that are slowing them down, but they want to appear, like, they want to, appear to everyone else like they have it all together. And they're, they're maybe serving on the praise team, or maybe they're a Bible study leader, or, or whatever it might be. And they're trying to run hard. They're trying to run hard. But there's so much stuff weighing them down that they eventually just burn out and fall off in the race. And so a lot of those people just leave the church and like, well, you know, what's, what's the point? I'm too tired. But the invitation in Hebrews 12 is to lay aside everything to run well. Because God sent his son Jesus to die in our place for our sins that we'd be set free completely because before we came to Christ, we had all sorts of junk in our lives, all sorts of baggage, all sorts of burden and all kinds of forms. It takes all kinds of forms. And then when Jesus, when we received Jesus's work for us, when we said yes to him, when we surrendered our lives to him. For those of us who have, Jesus said, okay, I'm going to set you free from all that stuff. But at the same time, it required us to put it off ourselves. Jesus, in, in dying for us and us receiving salvation, gave us the capacity to take that stuff off. But so many, so many of us, we, all believers, all Christians, in some form or another, we keep running the race with some kind of baggage on us that God is inviting us to take off, to get rid of, to get off of us so that we can live the Christian life to the full. You know, it says in John 10, the thief came to steal and to kill and destroy. That, that's what Satan does. He's our enemy. He's a thief. That's, that's all he will ever do is steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you would have life and have it abundantly. He said, he who the son sets free is free indeed. He says, live by the spirit. Live in that freedom because I've set you free. So in this passage, there are really two things that the author is saying are, are weights and hindrances for people who are running the race. The first thing he says, he says, lay aside every hindrance. The second thing he says is, and the sin that so easily entangles. So the two things he's talking about. So I'm going to talk about the, these two things. First, I'm going to talk about the sin that so easily entangles. He says, when you're running this, when you become a believer... God's heart is for us to, to lay aside everything and to run with freedom and ease. You know, 
A good marathon runner, by the way, a good long distance runner knows how to run with ease. That might not make sense. When you think 26 miles, that's, that's how long a marathon is. Like, how do you run that with ease? A good marathon runner has learned how to do with ease because he's got rhythm. He's laid aside his hindrances. And, he's, and God wants that for us in our lives as believers to run at a good pace and with ease. And so the first thing we're going we're gonna to look at here tonight is, is the sin that so easily entangles us, okay? There's an invitation in this passage for us right now, tonight, to lay aside sin that entangles us. Now, there are all things, all sorts of different sin patterns that, that we could have worked through, that we could have experienced, that we were experiencing right now. But for me, when I was, mostly when I was in high school, in college, it wasn't as much of an issue for me. When I was high school, I was, I was a, you'd consider a good Christian. Basically, I grew up in a Christian family. I went to church every Sunday. I looked like a really good person. I, you know, I, I was, I was really chake. I was like, I, you know, I was nice and I did nice things and I played hockey, but I didn't fight, you know. I, uh, I was a nice hockey player, uh, one of those. Uh, <laughs> if you know anything about hockey, it's very, you know, got this reputation for violence and barbarianism and things like that. Uh, but people would have looked at me and they would have said, that he's a good Christian, you know. He's got it together. He, you know, he, he's obedient to his parents. He works hard in school. He doesn't get involved in the wrong crowds. But when I was in high school... I struggled with a sin pattern of, of lust and pornography. And at that time, I mean, I knew that guys struggled with it, but I, I didn't know to what extent. Now I realize, man, that's, that's such a widespread struggle for guys. It's like every guy, almost every guy struggles with it in some form or another on some level. But for me, that was, that was the biggest hindrance for me living a full life. And I would, I would go to church, and I would look good to people. And I was, I was part of the youth praise team. And, and I would help out with sound in, in our church and everything like that. And I, I was, you know, I'd go to Bible studies and youth group and that sort of thing. And at the same time, it wasn't, it wasn't as big a struggle for me as it was for some people, but it really slowed me down. It made me feel very guilty. It made me feel like, like, I, you know, I wasn't sincere in my, in my faith. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, I, it would just keep tripping me up. And it was something that God was inviting me to lay aside. Because in Christ, he'd given me the power to do it. All the tools, all the steps are available in the word of God, in the, in the body of Christ, to lay aside every sin pattern. It says in, in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He really wants to. It says in James 5, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you would be healed. Because deep inside of us, we struggle with things. Man, Soul National, you guys are you guys are good students, you know? Like it took you something to get into the school. It's you know, people call it like the, the Ivy League schools of, of Korea, you know? It's a it's a strong school. 
Like, you're proud to be here. There, there should be, like, some, some kind of, like, honor and proud pride to, like, to study at a school like this. But not all, all Seoul National students have it together. A lot of them don't. Most of them don't. Maybe all of them, you know. There are things deep inside. You look at students in your classroom, they might look really good on the outside. But on the inside, there are struggles with sin. Struggles with sin patterns, habitual sin, you know, that God wants to set them free from completely. And he's made a way for them to be set free completely from that for everyone in this room and everyone who's going to come in this room this semester to be set free completely from that. He wants you to lay that aside. If there are sin issues you're struggling with, you know, you know the first thing that is really helpful in, in our church, New Philadelphia Church, uh, we, we really, we've grown a lot in this area of, of really releasing freedom deeply in people's lives. And we're learning what that looks like. But you know what the, the first thing that really breaks people through into a place of freedom is just telling someone? It's just telling someone, I, I struggle with this. Because it's, especially areas like sexual sin, that sort of thing, it's very shameful. Man, for me in high school, it was so shameful for me. I, I didn't want to tell anyone that. But the biggest thing, that we see it all the time in our church, and we realize when we, you know, when we help people through it, they're like, man, everyone, almost everyone, I, I guess I can't say everyone, but almost everyone struggles with this in some form or another, not just guys, but girls too. I didn't know that when I was younger. You know, I didn't realize that. I'm like, ah, oh, the girls, they don't struggle with that at all. But apparently they do, you know? Uh, and, yeah, the first thing, just, just telling someone. Tell a mature believer. Tell a familiar leader. Tell, you know, a leader of Emmaus or whatever. But you do that, you're going to get breakthrough, a measure of breakthrough right then, right then and right there. Just confess your sin. Because you were meant to throw that off. And God has made a way for you to throw that off. And he's laid out in, in the Bible how that happens, what that looks like. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other that you would be healed. God wants you to bring, in, bring you into the fullness of healing. Now, I wish I could show you, maybe look at it on, on YouTube later. Uh, a couple of years ago at, at New Philadelphia Church, we had um, a, what was called a Friendship Sunday where we invited people from outside the church to come to church just to check it out. And we made it more you know, more friendly to people who weren't believers, who were just, like, just checking out Christianity. And uh, we did this thing called Cardboard Testimonies. And, um, and what it was was, how many people have seen a Cardboard Testimonies presentation? Okay, some people from, from New Philly. If you haven't, <laughs> check it out. Check it out on, on YouTube later. Uh, just go, uh, search New Philadelphia Church Cardboard Testimonies. Uh, but powerful stuff where, where people in the church, they would have a, a piece of cardboard that said on one side some issue they struggled with in the past. Like, this is who I was. I was, you know, addicted to video games. I was, uh, you know, I was really, really stingy toward God with my money. You know, I was really, uh, you know, a different, I, I can't even think of them now. But, what's that? I was in, yeah, I was in prison. We had, uh, <laughs> our, our campus pastor down, down at 
Pusan. It's on the internet. I mean, it's no problem me saying it now. Uh, our campus pastor in Pusan was spent some time in prison before at our seaside campus. You can his his testimony is out there. Uh, <laughs> so these different things that, that people went through. And on the other side, the flip side of the cardboard was who they are now because of what Jesus had done for them, you know, and, and for the guy who went to prison. I mean, now he's a campus pastor of, of one of the new Philadelphia church campuses. And, you know, one of them was, uh, was one, of the, one of the sisters in our church. She had an abortion. I mean, in the church, you don't talk about that, you know. But her, her, on a piece of card, but the front was, my secret sin and shame, abortion. She flipped the cardboard, and I forget what it said. It said, you know, it said, God set me free or something. I don't know. You can watch the video and see what it said. You got it. But we found out, I mean, we have all these, all these testimonies in that, in, in that sort of way. We realize it's actually okay for us to talk about things that the world says are shameful yeah. because of what Jesus has done for us. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would never share those things. We would keep them covered as best as possible, as, as, as much as we could. We would hide our, our, our weaknesses and our sin and our shame. Because of Jesus, we can actually tell someone about it and be set free from it. Just confessing it to someone else. Say, I, this is something I struggle with. And then repenting of it, which means turning away from it and saying, this is not who I am. Jesus has set me free from this. I, the Bible actually says I'm holy and blameless. The Bible says I'm the bride of Christ. The Bible says... I am righteous and, and renouncing it, saying, this actually has nothing to do with me because I have nothing to do with it. And so Jesus has made a way for us to be set free from sin. He wants all of us to walk in the fullness of freedom. Freedom you might not ever have thought you could ever have. I love that. I love freedom. I love Braveheart. If you've seen the end of Braveheart, you know, this cry of freedom, there's something, there's something so biblical and so, so God given about freedom because so much of the world lives in bondage, whether outwardly or inwardly, but God, his heart is for our full and complete freedom. Okay. So first thing we're setting aside is the sin that so easily entangles the sin that trips us up. The author of Hebrews saying, when you struggle with sin, it, it, like you're running the race and you like. You, you stumble into something and it trips you up and you fall on your face, right? And then you get up again, you know, and, and you keep running, but then you like you, sip, you, you try, stumble, sorry, again, and it really slows you down, even as a believer. If you're not a believer, then the way hasn't been, hasn't been accepted and received by you yet to really be in that place. And God invites you into that so you can have freedom. But as a believer, the way has been made and you've already entered into it. Second thing is laying aside everything that hinders. It says in Hebrews 12, lay aside everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Everything that hinders is not necessarily sin. You know, the author wouldn't say both of those things if he wasn't trying to make a distinction between the two of those things, right? 
So it's not just sin that trips us up in this race. It's other things that aren't necessarily sin that slow us down from God's best for us. You know, you could be enjoying something good and that good thing is keeping you from something that's great or something that's best. And God wants to give you the great and he wants to give you the best. And that might be painful, that process, but it's right and it's good and you'll be thankful for it in the end. Lots of good things we enjoy or things that are not inherently sin or necessarily sin. I think for me, going back to, going back to college again, I was, man, and so much of this for like college students or like young adults has to do with relationships. You know, if I, if I'm just real, you know, it's just like relationships. So many of them are just unhealthy when it comes down to it. And we know it, you know, we know it and we still get it. Maybe it, again, maybe it's still national. You guys are immune to that. You don't struggle with that. Like we, we are focused on our studies. Okay. So I'm, I'm putting you guys in a box. I don't, I'm, I, I apologize. I honor you guys. I honor you guys. I, you know, I didn't study at Seoul National. I, uh, but when I was in college, uh, my, my freshman year, okay, I'm supposed to be focusing on my studies. But, uh, but I, I get really interested in this girl. You know, and she was, she was really beautiful. She was an upperclassman. Yeah, she was a sophomore. And, and she, yeah, and, and uh, because of my interest in this girl, I started doing everything I could, could to connect with her. Like, it did not matter what it was. As long as I was connecting with this girl, I was getting to know her, getting closer to her, you know, with this possibility increasing that maybe she would reciprocate some, you know, interest in me. And so I would, I would do, like... Things like, I discovered that she liked playing Scrabble. Okay, yeah. I mentioned this once in a sermon before. People didn't let me hear the end of it. They're like, so the Scrabble girl. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, she just, you know, there's nothing wrong with Scrabble. It's just, you know, it's, I didn't like Scrabble. I had, I like zero interest in Scrabble. But because, you know, that was something she was interested in, I was like, I don't care. I don't care what it is. I'm going to find a way to, to connect with this girl, right? Guys, you, you know, you're with, you're with me? I, I'm going to find a way to connect with this girl. And, uh, and so I would, like, in, in one of the, the school buildings, one of the administrative buildings, I would just, I would, you know, hang out and play Scrabble and get to know her. And I would, I would think about her and I would... Uh, you know, I would talk with the guys about her and, you know, I would, and I was doing what I could to, to pursue this without, without like freaking her out or anything. I was just like <laughs> becoming a friend and getting to know her, but having that motive inside, of course, you know, there's always that you know, motive, right? <laughs> inside. And, uh, and it came to basically the end of the semester, end of the school year. And by that point, uh, we had grown closer in our friendship, and you know, we uh, we reciprocated uh, interest. There was interest there on both sides. It was like 
like I like you, you like me, uh, but we were, she was transferring for, to a different school the following year, out of province, different province. Yeah, really sad, right? Yeah. And, and so we decided, you know, it probably, probably wasn't that, that wasn't the best idea to start a relationship at the end of the school year when it was going to be long distance. We thought, you know, let's just, let's just not do it. And yeah, some people might not have made that decision, but you know, we did. And thank you. Uh, Matthew Coe affirms my decision. Uh, <laughs> but what happened after that was through the summer, we would, we continued to exchange emails back and forth and, and messages. And like I was, I was moving forward. I knew it was the right thing not to be in that relationship. And we had talked through that, but we were still, you know, so much of my heart was invested in, in this girl that I didn't want to let it go. And the back of my mind, I'm thinking there's still a chance for this. You know, it's not right now, but we're going to, you know, it's going to get on track. And like someday, someday maybe it'll, it'll work out if I just, you know, if I say the right things in the emails and, you know, <laughs> dumb stuff. Uh, but, uh, but that, that summer, God encountered me in a dream. And it's not something that happens to me very often. I mean, some people, they, you know, the Lord meets them in, in their dreams, you know, fairly regularly on some, like in some way. And not a common thing for me, but I felt God speaking very strongly to me in this dream that I was in an unhealthy way attached to this woman and that I needed to drop all communication with her right away. And when I had this dream, and I won't get into the details of what the dream was, but when I had this dream, I woke up and it was so clear in my heart. I, I can't do this. This is not healthy for me. It's slowing me down. It's hindering me from what God is doing in my life right now, what he's calling me into. And, and so I, I wrote her a last email and I said, I'm sorry, but I, I can't do this. And I didn't go into a great, you know, deal of explanation to her for it, but I knew it was the right thing. It wasn't easy. It was painful. But at the same time, there was a sweetness in it because I knew that the Lord was in it. I knew that he was pleased by it. And it's those types of things. I mean, what I was doing wasn't, I didn't see it as, as sin at the time. I was just, I mean, there, there may have been sin within it along the way. But to have a friendship with a girl is not inherently sinful, you know? To send emails back and forth is not inherently sinful, depending on how you do it, of course. Uh, but there are so many things we could get caught up that we might think are good or that we desire or appreciate or value or enjoy. But God is saying, that's slowing you down from what I want for your life. You know, it, it could be any number of things. It could be like video games for some people. Like so, some people play video games a lot. When I was in college, I was around people who played video games a lot. And like Korea is filled with people who like go to PC Bang and, and play video games a lot. And you know that, that PC Bang's 
And video games are not inherently sinful. Like video games are fun. I like video games. I think they're great. I like I you know like playing hockey video games, football, like the sports ones, like racing, that sort of thing. I enjoyed that kind of video game. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's taking away from your relationship with God, if it's slowing you down from that, if it's keeping you from something that God wants for you that's better, then God's saying that's wrong. It actually is sin. And you can set that aside. I'm calling you, I'm exhorting you to set that aside because it's slowing you down. It's not life to the full. It's life to the partial, you know? God doesn't want us to live life to the partial. He wants us to live life to the full all the way. Full freedom. When the Greeks raced, they didn't race with like, like taking off everything and just wearing a t-shirt, you know? It wasn't like, let's take off some things to to make us a bit faster, a bit more aerodynamic than we would be otherwise. It says, take off everything. I want so much more for you. I want you in the fullness because I know that's where the sweet spot is. That's where the greatest joy is. That's where the greatest fulfillment is. That's where the greatest satisfaction is because God says, I created you. I designed you. I made you that way. God's saying, don't tell me what satisfies you. I know. God's saying, I know what satisfies you because I made you. And I made you to be fully satisfied. I made you to be fully awake to my love. I made you to be you know, filled with, with peace and joy and life and hope. I created that, created you that way. I'm going to lead you into the best. God promises that. So he says, lay aside these things. Like, some people watch TV all night. I had, I, had friend, <laughs> I had friends in Canada, where I'm from, who would have like, like their whole week was scheduled out by TV shows. <laughs> like people, people in Canada, in the States, they, they do that. There are people who like, like Monday is this and Tuesday is this and Wednesday. And it's not just one show. It's like at seven o'clock, it's this. At nine o'clock, it's this. <laughs> And that's their life. You know, every evening they, they go do that. And TV is not inherently sinful or wrong. But God's saying, if it's hindering you, if it's slowing you down, why do you hold on to it? You know? What, what I mean, C.S. Lewis, one thing he says, famous quote, is, you know, so many people... get caught up, and I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase the quote because I can't do it verbatim right now. <laughs> like, it's su such a good quote. I'm sorry, C.S. Lewis. Uh, he's in heaven right now. He's with the Lord, so he, he doesn't care. Uh, but, uh, he, yeah, he's in glory. But he said, you know, so many people get caught up playing in, like, a mud puddle because they can't think or comprehend of what it would be like to have a vacation at the beach or the sea. We get caught up in, you know, the things that we think are pleasurable, the things that we think are worthwhile and, and, and satisfying, when God's saying, no, let those things go, and I'm going to give you me. I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to give you true purpose, true vision. I'll tell you this, there's, Interesting thing I was told, when, again, when I was in college, uh, 
But if, if you consider a room and you ask yourself, okay, in this room, how would I get more air into this room? Like more, more oxygen. How, how can we increase the level? How can we maximize, I should say, the level of oxygen or air in this room? Any ideas? You could make people leave. Yeah. I mean, you might say, well, you just pump more oxygen in, right? You just get like, you know, this. That's, uh, <laughs> you, yeah, you just get some, you know, whatever, whatever machine would do that. And you just, you fill the room with oxygen. You get a maximum amount. But say you, you do that as much as you can. Then if you want to get even more oxygen or air into the room. How could you do that? <laughs> yeah, you could not, not only people, you could take things yeah. out of the room, yeah. objects out of the room. You know, we could take these chairs. If we took all the chairs out of this room, we'd be better equipped to maximize the amount of oxygen or air in this room. Mm. Does that make sense? Like if this room was filled with like closets or desks or, you know, anything, if you wanted to get the most amount of air in here, you would take those things out. They're not bad things. They're just things. And that's what it's like for our lives. Like how do you get more of God in your life? How do you increase the presence of God in your life? You know how you do that? By taking things out of your life that are getting in the way. They may be good things, but if you want more of God, you can remove things from your life to maximize the amount of God. And again, those things are not necessarily bad. And some of the things God wants you to keep in your life. Maybe God wants you to watch some TV. He probably does. You know, he probably wants you to watch some movies. He probably wants you to experience his grace and his goodness in, in a variety of forms. But he's saying, let me take the things that are holding you, really holding you back from me. Yeah. And right now, for tonight, my prayer is that God is highlighting things in your life that are slowing you down. Things that are keeping you from living life to the full, from running the, running the race of life the way God intended and saved you to run it. So we're just going to take some time. I want you to start reflecting right now. And both of you can just come play the keyboard a bit. I just want to take a bit of time. Take a minute or two just with the Lord. And ask the Lord, Lord, is there something in my life, is there something in my heart that is either a sin pattern that you want to rescue me out of that you have made a way for me to get out of? Or is there something in my life that is not necessarily a bad thing, not less, not necessarily sin, but you're calling me to let go of it. Maybe it's a relationship with someone and that's tough. But God says, I want the fullness for you. We sang a song just before he is, he is jealous for me. His love is like a hurricane. I'm a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy.
he died so that you could be set free completely. So that you could live life without the burdens that have been weighing down on you. He wants to take those from you. He wants you to live lighter than you ever thought you could you could have lived. Lord, bring revelation. there's something God's highlighting to you and you want to be set free from that and you want someone to pray with you then I invite you to stand like I was saying before it's particularly for sin you're broken free from it when you confess it to someone And God does not want you to leave this room the same way you are when you walked in. He wants you to walk out of this room set free. Now, if there's something that God's highlighting to you, I invite you to stand up.